The Don't Drown podcast would like to pay our respects to the traditional custodians of the land in which we record on. We honour and pay our respects to elders past, present and future, as well as Indigenous languages and cultural practices that have been seeded on all lands throughout Australia. We acknowledge that storytelling, wisdom and healing has been an integral part of Indigenous practices for eons. So as we tell our stories, impart wisdom and provoke healing, we pay homage to the sacred ceremonies that these practices have derived from. Hi, and welcome to Don't Drown, a place for all you self-growth seekers navigating the ebbs and flows of life. We are your hosts, Talia Ben and Ebony Ormaki. This podcast will be centered around the mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual components of self-exploration and development. We will be delving deep on those tougher topics to have you feel more seen, heard, and equipped to deal with this thing that we call life. So stay afloat with us as we laugh, cry, and try not to drown. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Um... So we literally just recorded this and it didn't record properly. No, we sounded like Decepticons. So here we are back with 50% less energy. <laughs> oh, honestly, I feel like I did my best work in that first one. Anyway. Yeah, you really like gave it all of your bussy. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, um, basically I kind of wanted to talk briefly about how we have been because we have been going through a lot individually and collectively as um, siblings and as a household so we're not going to kind of go into too much of what we've been going through lately. Mm. Um, Hopefully we will get a time where we can actually unpack it as much as we would like but right now is not the time. No it's not right now we need to unpack (laughs) before we start um, sharing but yeah, it's been a very um, mentally, emotionally and physically exhausting time in the house. We've all really been struggling um, and just trying to support ourselves and each other as best as we possibly can. Um, so I think going down the line of like, how was your week and how was your week? It like, was shit. Yeah, it was shit. <laughs> like, I feel like each week I'm like, it was shit. But like there's obviously been This some, week is shit. <laughs> there's been some, you know, good moments, which is nice. And I feel like we're all just trying to cling on to the moments that are good, but we're, we're going through it. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um, yeah, tumultuous um, changes and a lot of and things. triggering. Yeah, a lot of triggering things that are happening right now. So I think, um, yeah, I guess for myself, I've taken some personal leave from work and just trying to be um, as present as I can with my children and focusing on the little things like, you know, eating well and meditating and watching Bones and stuff like that, <laughs> which I say all the time. I'm up to season, season seven, guys. Super happy. Um, Bones and Booth had a baby. Um, Jesus Christ. I know. In a barn. Anyway, um, <laughs> that was a highlight of my week. No, like I fully get it. I saw something this morning about um, uh, traumatized people usually watch like a lot of this, like they'll repeat the same shows because it emulates safety to them because they know mm. what to expect. Or they'll watch a lot of like highly dramatized like um crime shows or reality tv because that state of kind of like um, chaos chaos it um, feels safe to them as well do you know what's funny though when i was little and i used to watch home and away i used to think like how many times can alf die and <laughs> irene like <laughs> get lost in the wilderness yeah, no, but then when i watch like bones now i'm like yeah my life replicates that <laughs> like that makes sense <laughs> damn alf is like the crown jewel <laughs> i love starting the flame and cry yeah I love that's alf. my guy maybe we should get him on the potty pod do you reckon he'd come? I don't know. Hey, Alf. Is that his real name? No. Uh, hey, Alf, baby. Hey, Alf, baby. Potty pot. You want to come be a squirter? No, floater. Hey, <gasps> not squirter. Floater. Whatever you want to be, Alf. Okay. Anywho. Um, <laughs> Say something else. I did I, I did used to love Home and Away, but it makes sense why I watched the OC like 
probably a thousand times. No, I saw like an OC thing come up in my like YouTube shorts today and it reminded me of you immediately. Yeah, I love it. Um, so how, what about you? What have been, I guess, the good parts of your week? Sorry, I'm just watching our sister trot out of the house to go to work. We're in the car, by the way. <laughs> Oh, she's got a face like a slapped ass. <laughs> she's like concentrating really hard. Well, on what? Trying to find her way? Yeah, I don't know. Trying to find her way to a little car. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what good parts of your week have you kind of um, stayed focused on? So I've stayed focused on my work. So I've got my fingers in many different pies. I've got a full-time corporate job, but on the side I have like my creative endeavours. One is hair and makeup. I'm a freelance hair and makeup artist. And the other is... Pole dancing. (laughs) I wish. Not with my back. (laughs) That's long gone. (laughs) Unless like uh, someone was really into just like the most... um, Mundane dance moves. Just the robot. I can do the robot. I'll do. I'll give you a sexy They'll introduce robot. you. Here's Talia Van. She has a bulging dick. <laughs> yeah, here's a and a big bunda. Yeah, here's R two D two. Go hard. Um, and the other one is I'm a tooth gen technician. So I had a makeup um on the weekend, and I had a tooth gem kind of like event where we did tooth gems for the day um so it's given me a nice mental reprieve from like the chaos that's been ensuing at home and it's kind of allowed me to focus on uh creative like just have a creative outlet which has been really really nice so it's been good to have a couple of days where my brain has just been focused on that rather than everything else that's been going on so i'm holding on to that being a highlight (laughs) holding on to that beacon of light yeah literally what about you um yeah like i said just bones and kids and just trying to focus on those things yeah um but we did have a special little segment that we wanted to add into our introductions Mm -hmm. and it was called traumatizing or tantalizing (laughs) so i have one but it does involve you again okay so i went to the toilet one time i won't tell you what i did in the toilet but the whole point of the story is I hadn't washed my hands yet, so I came out of the bathroom and I was trying to, like, find the soap. And anyone that knows me, I feel with my hands. And um, Talia had this nice, beautiful, hot bowl of fresh soup just sitting near the sink. And <laughs> I was trying. I've been racking my brain for the what last 30 seconds. Like, what story? She tell? had this nice, hot bowl of fresh soup just sitting there. And that I handmade, by the way. And then I stuck my fingers in the soup by accident. I was trying to find the soap. I was trying to find the soap and I was tapping around. And my pinky fingers went in there. Like, the tips, it's the same fingers that wipe my ass, you guys. <laughs> And I was in a rush because we were going somewhere. We are going to the park or something. And I didn't tell Talia because she was very stressed from work. And I was scared that I was going to make her more angry. So I was like, oh, I just hope it, you know, all tastes good. Do you think that's traumatizing or tantalizing? Yes, it's traumatizing. Are you kidding me? Well, it adds a little bit of flavor. <laughs> Yeah, that's traumatizing. That is traumatizing. Well, you probably you told me after the you fact. You probably wouldn't have been like known because, like, you know, you have parmesan cheese in your soup. No, people. Ew, <laughs> yuck. People who know me know that I have a very short fuse and I'm can be a raging fireball. Yeah, I can be scary when I'm angry, which I get. Should I have written a note and be like, "Sorry, put put poo hands in your soup." It takes me like ten minutes to decipher your handwriting anyway which would make me even more frustrated yeah but i'll be 20 minutes down the highway by then, so I'm good. no you told me after the fact and i feel like i was at that delusional point of anger where it was funny to me but yeah that was that was traumatizing sorry <coughs> but kind of funny whatever uh, um but yeah guys if you have a situation that you want us to decipher, traumatizing or tantalizing, send it in, DM us. Yeah, let us exploit you. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, do you have a quote? Yes, I like how you just jumped into it. <laughs> do you have a quote? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm prepared. Um, so my quote is just something I found on like a reel on Instagram and I thought it was really lovely. It says, attract someone who speaks your language so you don't have to spend a lifetime translating your soul. 
I love that. So I thought that was really beautiful and I thought it was quite a, a poignant one for me because I feel like in many of my relationships I've really struggled um, with people not quite understanding my thought process or where I'm coming from. So sometimes I feel like I over explain myself, like my mind goes a thousand miles an hour. Sometimes just I'll ask a question and in my mind it makes sense because I know how I got there. But it's gotten to a point with a few of my friends where I'll go, I'm asking you a question because I looked over here and I looked at this and it made me think of this, which made me think of this, which made me think of this. And now this is why I'm asking you the question. Right. <laughs> because sometimes I will just ask the question, they're like, where the hell did that come from mm. but I'm like it's I I have a reason yeah <laughs> but it, it, now I'm I'm really over explaining myself so I thought that was just a really lovely I don't know little quote yeah and I think it's one that everybody can relate to and I mean I can in regards to past relationships but also it's something that transcends not only romantic relationships but also um you know friendships and interpersonal relationships and all sorts of things and I think the more we know ourselves the more we feel comfortable and confident with in who we are the more we can start to attract and have people in our lives that start to understand us because we understand us yeah no I completely agree with that I like it yeah I like it too it has absolutely nothing to do with the episode today but it was just a really nice quote that I um, felt compelled to share but I'm excited to jump into today's episode it's just one with Ebony and I where we are chit-chatting um, about entrepreneurship and self-growth and I guess our individual experiences because recently I've kind of um, you know taken some huge steps in my life and really made huge adjustments Talia's on the sort of um, brink of doing that for herself mm -hmm. so I feel like yeah it's something that we really wanted to talk about and really unpack with you guys so we hope you like it yeah I'm excited let's get into it bye So we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship and our own individual experiences and kind of the steps that we are taking and have taken to kind of transcend our goals and dreams into reality. So Tal, mm. I wanted to start with you and really talk about what your sort of work as a makeup artist has looked like and what it has been like over the last sort of like five, ten years in terms of working a corporate job and being a makeup artist. Mm -hmm. So I guess for me, it's a tough one because I'm sure a lot of people will resonate with this. I, because I have a severe lack of self-worth, I tie my self-worth into things that I'm passionate about, which is makeup. So it's been a rough start in terms of believing that I'm even good enough mm. to start and put myself out there and kind of like flashing back, flashing forward where I am today. I still get a lot of friends being like, you don't do enough on social media. You don't um, market yourself well enough and definitely not as well as I could market myself. Um, but I feel like, because it is tied in with that self-worth piece that it has been a really rough ride for me. So for me, makeup started off firstly as something that I would do as like an escape mechanism, but also it was like a passion of mine. I've always loved doing makeup since I was really, really young. And then it got to the point where a lot of people would ask me to do their makeup and do their hair like formals and dances and things like that and then it kind of like um started to slowly trickle into where it is today where I do um makeup bookings formal bookings photo shoots things like that um makeup bookings wedding bookings <laughs> I meant to say um but I'm still not there yet in terms of feeling comfortable enough to start really putting myself out there yeah and I know that you had a similar experience, I believe like 18 months ago too, when you decided to start really putting yourself out there and, and um, like trying to advocate for yourself and, and market yourself. But I do think that it is really hard when you 
suffer with a lack of self-worth or you have experienced trauma because you almost feel like you're an imposter. Yeah, no, 100%. And I definitely feel like from my own experience, I've been doing my work as an intuitive reader for uh, a long time now, since I was about 18. Mm. And since 18, it's been the only... um, job that I've ever had only career that I've ever had but I can definitely relate to you in terms of not fully putting myself out there so I had um full time work before I met Adam and before I had the children but it was all word of mouth there was so much fear around getting a website and around doing social media and things like that so there's definitely been a lot of fear and then the self-worth piece being tied into the um you know, work or passion that, that I have. So I can definitely relate to you and think that it, um, yeah, really frightened me for a very long time before I did take that plunge. So we're obviously in two different um, positions now in the current, like you're still working your corporate job. Well, we are in two different positions. However, this year is the year where I'm finally taking mm. the plunge. Mm-hmm. So I have applied for long service leave at the corporate job that I currently work. Um, obviously, if I'm applying for long service leave, you guys can um, fill in the dots. I've been there for quite a long time. Um, but I feel like for me, I liked having the stability of the corporate job and a corporate check coming in. So I did have the flexibility to go out and do my makeup but it was only when I felt comfortable or word of mouth I was Mm. never like putting myself out there ever so to further that for you then what is your plan moving forward in regards to your work as a makeup artist in regards to entrepreneurship and then what things are you putting in place to ensure the sort of um, longevity of that in terms of putting things in place like I guess because we are talking about like more that mental health side mm. of things. Um, I'm not giving you guys my business strategy. No, oh, I'm, no, joking. No, I'm joking. <laughs> like I have a business strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that so people think I have one, but I absolutely do not. Um, I think it's just gotten to the point where I'm like, I felt for a really long time for me personally, I always knew something wasn't right um, in terms of, my trauma and my experience, this is prior to being diagnosed, this is prior to finding the psychologist I have now and really embarking on my healing journey. And I always knew there would be a day where I was able to put one foot in front of the other and make my makeup a career, but I just knew that something wasn't right internally for me to be able to make that step. Whether it be trauma, whether it be fear, whether it be self-worth, I think it's all wrapped up into one. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like even thinking about firstly starting an Instagram. And you should see my Instagram's abysmal. Like I post like once a month. And like even prior to starting that, I got it. And then it it gave me so much anxiety to even have one. Mm -hmm. um, For people to even find me and see my work. And it it comes back to feeling like, what if I'm not good enough? Or what am I even doing? Like, why would I even think I'm good enough to start doing makeup in the first place? But really taking that step back into why is it a passion for me? Why do I like to do it? How can I impart that feeling onto other people? So I don't feel that sense of shame or fear around what I want to do with my life because everything going on in my head is an echo chamber of what I've been told opposed to, how I really feel mm-hmm. in my autonomy in the situation. So I guess it's all come to a point now where I'm at a point where I do want to take it seriously. That's what I want to do with my life. That's how I want to move forward in my future. So I've taken those steps to um, apply for long service leave. I'm lucky enough that I work in a um, I work for a company that allows career breaks so I can take um, a year off work and they hold my position so there is that job security there mm-hmm. and I think for me m- mentally having that safety blanket mm-hmm. um, is really important for me to feel safe enough to take that mm-hmm. step um, and I have been journaling a lot that's something that I d- do and I find it really helpful in terms of just being able to put my thoughts on the page understand where the root cause of it is coming from and try to separate it because my like mental health journey and self-worth is so enmeshed in the work that I'm passionate about 
it can hinder you if you aren't able to separate them. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. And I think another thing um, to mention for you is like the um, intentions to move to a different location and to have that collaboration with the person that you'll be moving in with mm-hmm. so you can expand in that way. Like it's so helpful to have people around you that are doing similar things, you know? Yeah, so basically what Evan is saying and I feel like what I have done is recognized that this is my passion this is what I want to do and also recognize that I've tied a lot of my trauma and self-worth and um, imposter syndrome into like my career and passion and what I want to do so to be able to step forward from that I've put in place I guess measures that make me feel comfortable Mm -hmm. to take those steps yeah I have a career break, so I've got a safety blanket. I'm moving to um, another city, yep. I guess, mm-hmm. um, to have like a different – I've always lived in the city. I'm going to be moving to the coast, which I'm really happy to. I feel safe at the coast. I love the ocean. I love the beach. And being able to be there makes me feel safe to take that step. Um, and also I'm moving in with someone who's also in the beauty industry and she has uh, three incredibly fully fledged businesses that she runs. So I think it's like one of those things, surround yourself with like-minded people, Mm -hmm. being around her, seeing the way that she hustles, seeing the way that she moves. And she's experienced a lot of trauma in her life, but watching how she was able to kind of set that aside Mm. to really push forward and make a name for herself and make a life for herself Mm -hmm. and make, you know, really good money for herself from the ground up has kind of given me that push to be like, well, I can do that. I do have the ability to do that, but I need to get out of my own way. Yeah, no, I think that's amazing. And I think for you too, that's the step that you took 18 months ago. So I'm like a step behind you, but even watching you 18 months ago, definitely kind of gave me that push too, just that baby step to kind of step outside of what was the echo chamber in my mind and what was happening up there with not feeling good enough, feeling like an imposter in the beauty space, but then watching you able, like being able to um, make the choices that you made to be where you are today was also really inspiring. So I'm really keen to kind of hear your perspective when you first took that leap and how that felt for you. Yeah, I can obviously relate to so much of what you said. Um, I have always wanted to do big things with my work and I did hesitate just then in saying that because I'm like well does that make me um you know self-righteous or you know stuck up but I do want to do big things with my work and I'm very passionate about what it is that I do and so my partner and I had always talked about he reckons when he met me he saw dollar signs so He's always like, can you hurry up so I can just like rest so my he's feet? Like, well, for sure, a sugar baby. No, <laughs> literally. Anyway, so we always um, had talked about doing this, but we were always ra- waiting for the right time till we had bought a house, till we had done this, till we had done that. Mm. And when you wait for the right time, you never make time to do what you want to do because there never is a good time. There just never is. So we. Um, had our twins and it just happened so spontaneously we were sitting in our lounge room one day the twins were about six weeks old and we were just talking about everything and we really started to think about him leaving his job he had been there for nine years and we were like maybe we should just do it like you've got three months off let's see what we can do in this three months and let's just kind of put all of our energy and time into this and obviously the measures that we took then was we cancelled all of our subscriptions we cancelled all of the things that we didn't need um, all of the excess things that weren't a necessity for our survival so we just focused on paying bills you know the necessities for the kids we went like a year and a half without buying any new clothes for ourselves or anything it was just food um, bills and the necessities Mm. and we did that to ensure that there was going to be longevity because I feel like 
um, you need to be incredibly intentional about how you do things, especially when you have kids. Mm. We had a lot on the line and we didn't have the safety net in terms of my partner going back to work mm. because he was a contractor at that time where he was working. The safety net in our sort of um, experience was the fact that I was getting you know, support from the government in terms of like the kids and my disability, but it was literally just covering our sort of necessities. Mm, mm -hmm. And so I was so scared. I was terrified, mm. absolutely terrified. And I remember sort of like going back and forth, back and forth before my partner handed him in his resignation. And, you know, Talia did like a million tarot card readings on me and I was just like so scared and so anxious. And two, I've always tied my self-worth into money. Mm. And when there's not financial flow and there's not financial stability, I don't feel good enough. And that was something I really grappled with. How are we going to be okay if there's not... And look, we had savings there, but I've always had a scarcity mindset around money. So that was huge for me. Mm. And plus having four small children. So it was huge. And so, you know, we put those measures in place, like I said, and just continued to sort of work together as a couple. Adam and I, I leaned on my supports, whether it be my siblings to talk to or my therapist and just really sort of like got to grinding really. Like literally I, every night I would be up trying to think about what was the next step? What was I going to do? Who I emailed so many people, like all of the podcasts that people have seen me on. Like I emailed so many podcasts with my story and that's not for you know anything other than the fact that I wanted to do whatever I needed to do to not only get my story out not only get my message out but also ensure that I was um, solidifying things for my family and so there was so much that went into it and yeah it's paid off now but it was very scary for a very long time yeah more or less you know, how I thought about it mentally. A hundred percent. And it's so interesting to hear you because I'm sure you might feel the same way when you hear me talk as well, because I do remember that 18 months ago. Um, as you guys know, I've been living with Ebony for the past two years. And I remember when she was ready to take that leap. And it's so funny being on the fringe of that situation because for her, she's tied so much of her trauma and her self-worth and having imposter syndrome um, around taking that leap. So it was a really fearful process for her. And I do remember like um, how much it really did take a mental toll on you for a while. Mm -hmm. But for me, I was always like, I could see bigger picture for you. I'm yeah. like, you're going to flourish. This is going to be the best thing you ever do. I think you should just take the leap and do it. And I'm sure you feel the same way for me. So I think um, for everyone listening who is afraid to take that plunge, sometimes it is really helpful to take a beat, take a moment and take a step back and try to see yourself objectively and what you want to do objectively. So you can also see, like try and see it from someone else's lens. Yeah, no, 100%. Because you can get so stuck in the... Um, cycle of fear mm -hmm. and I mean I've been stuck in that cycle of fear and also trying not to put pressure on myself and thinking like oh it's taken me 10 years to get here yeah so be it it's taken me 10 years to get here but I'm confident and happy in this moment and mm -hmm. I feel confident in those steps so if it takes you 10 years 20 30 as long as you get there as long as you get to a point where you feel comfortable then go for it take as much time as you need but I think also taking a beat to be objective in the situation and take the fears out of it and try and see it for what it is, is also really helpful. Yeah. And I think too, the biggest thing is that we live in this sort of like fantasy where we feel like in order to do everything, everything has to be perfect. Mm. And I often laugh because I'm like, we waited for, um, you know, years to do what we are doing now we waited till we had four small children yeah. like why didn't we do this when we <laughs> before had before you had kids yeah. yeah why didn't i do this when i had no children mm. when i didn't have to buy nappies and wipes every week mm. when i didn't have to do all of these things so yeah it's definitely one of those things and i think also that you can 
take that step and also be scared at the same time. You can live in that duality and that be okay. Yeah. The fear goes away, it does dissipate, but you know, you can still take that step and thrive and move towards your goals while still being shit scared. A hundred percent. And that's something that I've learned as well. It's like, I felt like I was waiting in the water for a really long time, just waiting for my fear to dissipate completely, to be able to take that step Mm -hmm. only to realize that you can live in like that crossroad of still being fearful, but also having enough strength to be able to take that step. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. But I guess going back to you and your experience, because I think that you have a lot of, because you have taken that step. I'm kind of speaking from going to take that step Mm -hmm. and you're speaking from already taking that step. But I think the interesting perspective that you have is you've got, you know, you've got family and kids. Like I am privileged in the sense where I'm, I don't have any dependents besides a cat now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think like the other morning, I'm just going to go off on a little tangent. It was very funny. I had a wedding makeup booking and I slept through my first alarm, but I set like a thousand alarms just to make sure. And um, I was woken up by my cat and it did make me giggle a little bit because I'm like, damn, my dependent's really out here. Like, wake up, mom. If you don't go and do this makeup, you won't be able to feed me. (laughs) But I guess for you, you've got a partner, a household and four young kids. Kind of how was that experience for you? And also what advice do you have to give people who are parents who do have children and who are wanting to run their own business and take that leap yeah I think it's one of those things that you have to prepare yourself for mentally emotionally as well as physically Mm. it's something that really tests your resilience Mm -hmm. it's something that really tests your mental and emotional strength And it's something that you really do need to sort of think about before you do, but also not let that over analytical mind stop you from making those decisions. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, having those things in place is extremely important. But I also feel like I'm glad I waited to have the children and to be in the position that I am now doing what I'm doing, because I feel like it adds substance. Mm. I feel like it adds so much more in the fact that I'm not only doing it for myself, I'm doing it for them. You know, I remember last year when not a lot was happening um, in terms of work, I signed up to do this course and the course was about $2,000 and um, we weren't making any sort of extra money at the time. So it was taking a gamble on this course Mm. and I would have to wake up at 1 a.m. and at 5 a.m. to do this course. So the course was in America and um, it was a social media course and it was going to be very beneficial with networking and all sorts of stuff, but it was still a gamble. And I remember the twins were only about seven months old when Mm -hmm. I started this course and it was something that ran for about three months. And so it was really just trying to prioritize my time, Mm. really trying to stay very steadfast in regards to what it is that I was wanting to do. It was so helpful having my partner's support. Mm. Um, And I think that's one of the big things too, looking at your supports, looking at, um, you know, where you can strengthen your supports, your communication with your partner or, you know, whoever's supporting you in those areas. I feel like those things are um, super important and it does pay off. It pays off. Um, you know, in so many different ways. But I also feel like that communication with your children, if they are around that age where they can communicate with you, letting them know that, you know, because I used to feel bad if I wasn't there to play with them because I'd have to go to work. And because prior to that, I was at home the whole time. Mm -hmm. So I dealt with a lot of that sort of mother's guilt. And it was such a kind of important thing for me to go and explain to them hey, mommy really loves what she does. I love working. I love doing this and I love helping people. And I'm going to go and do that and really enjoy my time and really enjoy what I have to, you know, give to others and what they have to give to me. And then when I come back, I'm going to be very present and involved with you. So I feel like that was, um, you know, a lot of the conversation that we're having at the time and Mm -hmm. a lot of the things that kind of I would share with other parents. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know, 
because you did touch on your support system and also speaking with your psychologist was there anything in particular that you spoke to your psychologist about or that they gave you advice on that really helped you yeah the biggest thing that I've spoken to my therapist about is um the struggles that I have around my self-worth and the work that I do because it has stifled me so many times Mm -hmm. and I have fallen into these very dark sort of um, patterns mentally and emotionally where I feel completely worthless Mm -hmm. and feel like I'm not good at my work, I'm a poser, nobody's going to listen to me, maybe I just made all of this up and I'm not actually intuitive and Mm -hmm. it's all just fake and I get into these really dark places mentally and emotionally where I question myself and so we did a lot of work around sort of where those core belief systems came from and um, really trying to look at the facts and the evidence versus what my mind is programmed to believe Mm -hmm. and I think that was really helpful because I had a situation last year where through the course I won a prize and The prize consisted of a few different things, but part of this prize was actually being on a Zoom call with the CEOs of the business. And these CEOs are huge in their work and they have, you know, multitudes of connections with people in similar fields to me. And um, so it was such an amazing opportunity. And I remember sitting on this call and it was 5 a.m. in the morning and they got to me and they just started praising me and telling me that I could, you know, do all of the things that I wanted to do. And these sort of people in the same field as me who are doing huge things in the sort of like um, motivational world that I could stand on the same stage as them and speak like them. And I just cried the entire time. Mm -hmm. And I cried because I didn't believe it. And I was in shock. Like I was in absolute shock. Like every time somebody would praise me, whether it was on that call or in a magazine article or, you know, in a podcast, I would go into shock. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw me, I would be totally shocked. Yeah. And I think that was a big, um, like, obviously I know your experience and your sister, I've like lived with you through most of your life and your experiences, but then seeing the toll that it took on you especially mentally and I guess for me I look at you and I'm like everything that they're saying is so correct and so true and you should be so proud of yourself but you had the complete adverse reaction Mm -hmm. to that so that was quite polarizing to watch as well and I think it puts into perspective how much your self-worth or lack thereof can be ingrained in the work that you are passionate about. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't able to move through it, it can really hinder you. It does. And it can so take you back to that place. And that's what I talked to my therapist about, mm-hmm. about these sort of natural response to those things, because I was never taught how to receive love or receive praise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a sort of like open hearted, wholesome way. And so I really repelled those things. It's like my body just rejected them and I would shut down and cry because I felt shame, because I felt guilt, because I felt like an imposter, like I wasn't really good enough and, you know, maybe there's something wrong. But then it was like that double-edged sword. So I felt like that. But then at the same time, I was like grinding and I wanted this so bad. So I'd beat myself up when things wouldn't happen. But then I didn't know how to be grateful when things did. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was in this tug of war and I guess kind of moving to you and your experience. I mean, you're taking the step now into that direction. You haven't taken that step yet. Mm -hmm. But what would you say to anybody that is in that sort of corporate world that doesn't want to sort of work a nine to five anymore and really wants to step out of that and, you know, do their passion? Mm -hmm. I think a kind of... uh, turning point I guess for me is taking my fears out of the situation and focusing on like what my job is my job is to do people's makeup for really special incredible moments of their lives I do a lot of wedding makeup 
and there's been quite a few times where like you know I just go like I've got a booking I'm gonna go I'm gonna do the booking I really hope they like it halfway through the booking I always get really nervous and anxious that they're gonna hate it and toward the end I've you know, I just, I really need to trust the process. Every single booking I do, it's trusting the process. Mm. And getting to the end of those bookings and seeing the reactions on my clients' faces or the praise that they give me, that has been something where I've gone, I'm not going to start feeding into, that's a lie, that's not correct, that's, you know, they're just telling me that because they want to make me feel good. Mm. I've just been objectively looking at it. I'll either write it down or they'll send me through a message and I'll be focusing on, I've made someone feel good. Mm -hmm. I've done like my job and I've done it really well, well enough for a person to sit down and take the time to tell me how it made them feel. So being able to kind of separate the makeup work that I do and try to impart like making someone feel good yeah that's changed kind of that direction for me mm-hmm. where I've been able to take that fear out of my mind of I'm not good enough to do this and focus on I want to make this person feel really great I want to make them feel really beautiful and if I can do that then I've done my job yeah and I think one thing that kind of really comes to mind as you speak is I feel like it's obviously going to be different for each individual. I know that so many people deal with imposterism or imposter syndrome and really feel like they're so out of their depth. But I definitely feel like when it comes to service-based businesses like mine and yours, Mm -hmm. when you're actually providing a service, you can really sort of tether your self-worth and sew your self-worth into that service because it is an extension of you yeah in a a positive way Mm -hmm. especially in the beauty industry um there's a lot of people where you can just see and feel that they're in it for the money which Mm -hmm. is like so fine if that's what you're in it for but that really shows through that's their main purpose i'm here to make money and i'm here to fuck off and that's it but when you can kind of change your mindset around it what is my purpose? I want to make someone feel the best that they've ever felt. When you are able to do that or you reach that, it, it's almost feels worth fighting for. Yeah. So I did a wedding at the end of 2019, I believe. That's when their wedding was. Yeah, 2019. Um, and the mother of the bride was extremely um, insecure she had her um, ex-husband coming to the wedding she just you know she was very quiet very meek the whole day very nervous about getting her makeup done and I just sat there and had a conversation with her how do you want to feel how do you want to feel today let's all think about what you want to look like Mm -hmm. how do you want to feel today I want to feel beautiful. I want to feel confident. I I don't want to feel nervous. Okay, amazing. What makes you feel that way? Like when, you know, I look good or how do you want your eyebrows to look or what colors make you feel that way? And I ended up doing her hair and makeup how she wanted it. But I also like to kind of um, make sure that the look is catered to that person's face like to that they're different eye shapes they're different color theory their complexion the texture all of those things i take into account and when she looked at herself in the mirror to make me tear up she just like bawled her eyes out crying and the bride came in and then like was kind of like no what's happening why is everyone crying and she said i have never looked this beautiful in like so long I've never felt this way in so long and then the bride started crying and the bridesmaids started crying like everyone was just really emotional because she was able to feel exactly how she wanted to on that day and watching her walk out because I was a guest at the wedding as well and like prance around and be confident and feel like she could open up was really an incredible thing for me to watch and it was a turning point for me to go okay set your fears aside Talia the important thing to focus on here is your kind of like 
how it's making people feel because that's a feeling that you want to chase. That's something that you want to impart. You want to make people feel mm-hmm. good. It's kind of like your ethos now. That's your mission statement. Yeah. So if you can put your fears to the side and know that you do have the ability to make someone feel so incredibly beautiful mm-hmm. within themselves, regardless of the hair and the makeup and the products, yeah. then follow that. Go for that. Yeah. No, I think what you said there is such a important thing in general because I feel like when people think about makeup and hair and beauty they often just focus on the surface focus on the aesthetic parts of that but I feel like really looking at the internal as well and then to sort of like expand that into entrepreneurship and work really sort of yeah focusing on how we want to make people feel what our mission is and really trying to hone in on that opposed to sort of like leaning too much into the fears around those things. Because it works part and parcel. I then focused on how I'm making other people feel, which then in turn made me feel good Mm -hmm. because I was making my clients feel really beautiful and amazing and then they were then sharing how beautiful they felt, Mm -hmm. which then made me feel, okay, like you can then take that for yourself. You did a good job. Yeah. Put that fear aside you know and like look you're going to get like regardless of the job that you are like the job or the career the business that you want to start you're always going to get to a point where you're going to feel like you're going to disappoint someone and that's fine but I think once you are able to kind of figure out what is worth chasing Mm. to begin with that's going to then help you like help it snowball into what it becomes in the future yeah like I was able to focus on that to take away from my fears and it's then gotten to a point where I feel a lot more confident to take bookings a lot more confident in the work that I do Mm -hmm. a lot more confident um in trying to make people feel as good as they can Mm -hmm. um but something I did want to touch on with you and I know this is something that you struggle with but sometimes don't always articulate it um and something that I think is really important to talk about as well is being burnt out yeah I think I am somebody that often teeters on the line I don't think I've ever fully been burnt out Mm. but I definitely sort of like you run yourself (laughs) into the ground I walk along that tightrope And I feel like it's something that I've had to be super intentional about now because as of sort of the last nine, ten months, work has been so consistent. I have to be very intentional about taking that time off. And because it's not just working with clients one-on-one, there's speaking engagements, there's the podcast, there's social media, there's so many other sort of elements to it that it kind of has to be handled very sort of delicately. So I've had to be more intentional about how I do things. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely at the beginning, I would say I was running myself thin because I was still breastfeeding the twins. Mm. I was still up all night with the girls and, you know, with the kids if they were getting up. Um, So it was because at the time when we decided this, I had – a three-and-a-half-year-old, a a two-year-old, and six-week-old twins. Mm -hmm. So my load was full. Where I am now, the girl's almost two, and our son just turned four, and our daughter's, you know, five. So I feel like things are a lot easier in terms of household load, and we've found our flow, Mm. and it's just being really intentional about when I need that time for myself and how I'm going to take that time. Mm. So what my things are that I tend to lean on is exercise is a great outlet for me. Mm. Meditation has always been one, therapy, and, you know, even reading and unwinding um, with a book or, um, you know, watching something on TV. But I feel like I like to sort of center my sort of self-care routine around things that are actually going to fill me up from the inside out. And although I do love, you know, watching Bones, uh, it's... Bones again, the free press they're getting. I know. (laughs) Um, They resurrect it, come back for extra seasons. (laughs) I hope so. I'm on season six. Um, They they only have 12 seasons, so... Um, Anyway, but things like that are great, but watching TV is not necessarily going to fill my cup up completely. It's kind of like mind-numbing stuff, right? Mm. So I think those things are things that I've been intentional about. Yeah, I think the reason I also 
bought burn up and burn up (laughs) burn out up is because we can talk about you know the beginning stages Mm. of entrepreneurship um and kind of trying to transcend those fears and take those steps forward but sometimes i feel like the trap that then you do get into Mm -hmm. is it's like okay i've chosen to do this now i need to make this my whole life and my whole personality and Mm -hmm. then you forget that a really important thing about every aspect of your life, but I would say also incredibly important and imperative in business and your career is boundaries. It is, and also looking after yourself because you can't do your job to its highest standard if you are not at your highest standard. 100%. There's no you way. You can't do it at your highest standard if you haven't set boundaries mm-hmm. that meet your needs and protect you as well. And I think that's one thing where my partner is great um for me is because I am the type of person that would just take more and more and more and put myself in these really sort of um you know situations situations because I'm used to living in chaos so I'm like overextending yeah and overextending so it's like cool I can do this I can take that on board so I often bounce stuff off him like do you think I should take this client on this week I already have this amount this week like should I take one more on or should I move it to that week? So it's really great to have a soundboard and you're right. Those boundaries are super important. And I think also compassion and grace for yourself. Mm. You need to give yourself that if you do want to have longevity in your work, because you're not going to be able to do anything if you're burnt out, if you have no boundaries and if there's no sort of like um, guideline there. Mm-hmm. I think um, one question that I did want to ask you though, before we do wrap up is um, we've talked about this a lot and I think it's something that so many people struggle with. I know I have. Mm. How do you feel comfortable with pricing yourself? Oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> where are one. you with that? Way like night and day from yep. where I was. Mm-hmm. Where were you? I would do things for free. Okay. I would literally cart my whole makeup kit around that I'd spent all of my money on. Mm-hmm. And do things for free. Yeah. I would use my own petrol. I would drive to my friends' houses. I would never charge anyone anything. I would feel bad for mm-hmm. charging. Mm-hmm. And that is a really, really toxic mindset to get into as well. Mm-hmm. And it took me it took me years to get out of that, actually. Yeah. I would do a lot of things for free um, and really overextend myself um, with you know friendships and and i get it like it's hard to especially when you do what i do as a career because you know i've got a lot of girlfriends and everyone wants to look pretty and i just want to you know i want to be that cool friend like i want to do it for free i want to make them feel amazing and look amazing but then it gets to a point where it's like okay but that's that's not okay for you yeah how are you going to replenish your kit like Mm -hmm. the foundation a good one is 80 dollars minimum yeah, your overheads are, you know, obviously a lot more than mine. I don't have any. So I think mine, when I've given stuff for free in the past, because I can relate, I did the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, I remember when I first started charging, I did a dollar a minute. So um, for half hour reading, it was $30. Mm-hmm. And for a full hour reading, it was $60. Mm-hmm. And I actually still can't believe <laughs> I charged that. Mm. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where you do do feel that guilt and you do feel that responsibility. Also, when you step into things for the first time, a lot of people expect things for free. And mm-hmm. this is something that I heard recently. Um, your friends should be the first ones that want to support you in your endeavors. Mm-hmm. They should be the first ones that want to actually pay you for your services. Mm-hmm. They should be wanting to help you in your career, not taking from your career. And I'm a hundred percent that person like when i met the girl who i'm planning to move to the coast with who runs her businesses i've i'm like i'm you know in my mind i'm like i'm paying i'm Mm. paying for this my friend who's a dj he um is incredible and does a lot of um, a lot of his songs are on triple j and he plays these amazing shows and he doesn't live in Brisbane anymore, but when he comes up, I'm always like, amazing, like, I can't wait to see you, like, in my mind, prepared to pay, and he chucks me on the list, and I think it's one of those things where, yeah, I completely agree, like, your friends are the people that you want to support, if they are happy to give you something for free because they want to, that's amazing, but if my friends are going to step out and really take the time to put their energy into a business, 
I want to be the first to support them. And I think it's really important because it builds that base. Damn, if my friends are going to support me, then other people who aren't my friends are going to want to support me too. And I think sometimes if your friends aren't supporting you, then you think, oh, maybe I'm not worth being supported. Mm -hmm. So then you kind of feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't charge these other people. But I think it's also important to take a really, again, I keep saying, take a step back, take a beat and look at it objectively because it's so easy to get stuck in your head. And when you're stuck in your head about things and you don't know your worth in terms of pricing, people are going to pick at you like vultures. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh yeah, I can get my makeup done for $20 because old mate down the road doesn't know her worth, but she does a smashing job. <laughs> Give me that bloody hourglass $80 foundation on my face. You're telling me I can get that for $20? Slay, I'm going to do that. But then that's not helpful for you because people will take advantage of you. Yeah. So you've really got to take that sit, sit down at your, like, and sorry, I'm getting all my words jumbled and getting so heated about this. But I think Ebony touched on something really important. Your support system. She's got her partner who she can bounce things off. And when it comes to me and my business, I know I've bounced a lot of things off with Ebony before. And also something that I've done is I've gone out and done research into my field. Mm -hmm. What are other people charging? Mm. What does their work look like? Because if you're charging less for your work, you're then bringing the average rate down for the industry of as, as a whole, a whole. yeah because there are incredible makeup artists that are charging say 200 dollars a face and like 100 percent, i would pay that because they are yep. getting products that are right for your skin for your face for your texture all of those things are taking into account and i get people mm-hmm. who aren't in the industry they don't understand they've never had their hair and makeup done before they're like why am i paying this amount of money it's for the experience, it's for the feeling, it's for having a professional to do all of those things for you. If you then charge, like again, charging a lesser rate, you're going to bring that down for them as well. Yeah, and I think something that I realised, because what you're saying is so true, and I think it's something that so many people struggle with when they are entrepreneurs, when they do run their own businesses, when they are selling their own products, they really struggle with that and it really makes you confront your own self-worth. Mm. And I think one thing that I realized quite a while ago because I continued to up my prices over the years mm. and have stayed pretty consistent in that, I've had a lot of fear around it. I've you know, given a whole heap of stuff away for free. I used to do lots of readings for free all the time um, and never have boundaries around that, especially, you know, um, I would have family members come and be like, oh, so-and-so just wants to like um, ask you a few questions or people put me in positions where people just wanted to ask questions Mm -hmm. and I would have to, you know, spend my time answering these questions and it really made me realize a few things. First things first, when it comes to pricing, people pay for the most ridiculous things. Yeah, and it's priorities, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to think about people's priorities. Mm -hmm. I will prioritize buying a $300 pair of shoes, 100%. Have I prioritized servicing my car for $300? No, I have not. Priorities are different. But what is more important? Exactly. And you've got to think about that for your work Well, well. that's what I thought because I I remember thinking, wait, people go to – and this is no knock against anybody that's done this, but I was like, people go to Thailand and get implants for $10,000, but you don't want to pay this amount for a reading. Well, I'm going to continue to price my work the where I see it being valued. Mm -hmm. And if you choose not to, and I think another thing that gets challenging is when people question you on your prices. You move to a point where you're like, okay, I'm ready to put my price up here. There's all that anxiety, all that back and forth about it. And then you get questioned. questioned. To me, that is the literal universe. That is the energy telling you that you need to keep your boundaries strong. Don't Mm. fold now. Mm -hmm. Don't fold now. You've got to keep moving because there is going to be someone that's willing to pay that. 100%. And willing to pay that because they know your worth. Mm -hmm. And that's when you need to know your worth as well. Mm -hmm. And it's taken me a long time to get to that point too, especially when it comes to friends because that's hard to set boundaries there. Yeah. but Lucky none of my friends want reading. (laughs) Yeah, they're all too scared. (laughs) I wish I could say the same for my friends in makeup. They all want to get beat by the gods. But perfect example one of my really 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 good friends she is bridesmaid for a wedding um that's coming up in noosa so noosa is about two hours away from us 
and um, the bride just said, you know, do your own makeup. It's like a chill thing. But my friend's like, you know, I want to look beautiful on the day. Like, I don't want to worry or stress about doing my own hair and makeup because I'm good at it, but I, you know, I would prefer you to do it. And she immediately, how much do you charge? I'm char- I want to pay your full rate. Um, you know, you're coming all the way here and you're doing this for me. And even the fact that she said that, it's like, wow, you see my worth. Yeah. You see what I'm worth. And what a what a valuable feeling to have. A hundred percent. And yep. in my mind, the boundary I set is if I offer to do your makeup, that's free. Yeah. And I've I've done her makeup plenty of times for free because I enjoy it. You're my friend. We're going mm-hmm. out. We're going to a gig. We're going to a show. Yeah. I'm going to offer it. That's for free. But if you ask me, I'm, I'm going to charge you because yeah. I'm taking time out of my day and my life and my schedule to do something for you. Mm-hmm. So it works part and parcel because I will offer to do my friend's makeup for free a lot of the time because I genuinely enjoy it and I genuinely enjoy having them feel amazing for something that we're doing. Yeah. But then if they want me then yeah, that's the boundary that I've set. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those things where it's that constant give and take and you set that standard for your work. Mm-hmm. You set that standard for your business mm-hmm. because I still give things t- for free when I feel like I need to, when I feel called to, when I feel like it's something that's going to be of impact or importance to the other person. I'll say, hey, you know, I feel the need to you know offer you a session is this something that you're open to you know it's going to be gifted free of charge but this is you know what I feel Mm. or I have certain rates that are sort of like my mates rates that I do give to people that are you know maybe closer to me um or I will just gift the session altogether but I feel like you really have to set that standard and what works for you especially if you are a very caring giving empathetic compassionate person that wants to give and wants to help Mm -hmm. because you are always going to have to really sort of like reassess those boundaries but once you get in that space where you find your flow where you're comfortable with your worth and you know that you know I had somebody say to me once Mm. just sort of side note say to me that I shouldn't charge for my work because what I'm doing is helping people and who did I think I was to charge people for helping them Okay, cool. Tell that to the government. (laughs) Well, I said, the thing is, in this day and age, we need money to survive. Mm. So if I do not charge, then I will not be able to feed myself. I will not be able to live. If I didn't have to charge, if we didn't have to live in a world that was based on sort of monetary means and value, then I wouldn't charge. Oh, she didn't say that. I'm getting really sweaty thinking about that. Like, I'm getting really hot. I'm like, what about the churches? They charge money for you to well, go there. Well, that's what I said to this Praise person because this person was a churchgoer. Right. And this person did, so 20% of did your, tithe their your money, money every money week to, but yeah. was telling me not to charge. But you know was okay with tithing their money Mm -hmm. and that's because they you know obviously wanted free services etc but also also people can manipulate you into feeling guilty for your prices and I feel like at the end of the day we are all worth equal amount we are all worth an insane amount there is you know not enough money to sort of put on my worth or your worth but you just have to find what is most comfortable for you Mm. and what is work from there yeah and work from there and you will once you do that start attracting people who also know your worth Mm -hmm. but again like just to reiterate and wrap everything up in a bow taking a step back trying to shift your mindset and looking at things from a different perspective lean on those support systems around you because they are incredibly important Mm -hmm. write things down write it down and read back to it maybe it might shift things for you and also setting those boundaries Mm -hmm. and being aware that there will be the odd person that'll come up and try to manipulate you or talk down to you or make you feel worthless or make you feel like you should do something for free make sure your boundaries are set because Mm -hmm. like ebony said we are all worth more than an abundance of money in this world and we all equally have a lot to give. If you're going to put yourself in a position where you are going to own a business or take a leap of faith and be an entrepreneur, make sure your boundaries are set so people aren't only knowing your worth, you're knowing your worth too. Mm-hmm. Because it honestly, being an entrepreneur is the most confronting thing that you can do whilst... It's- it, whilst trying to sort of like it, it's such this double-edged sword because you're trying to 
um, you know, chase your goals and mm. work on your passions and you're trying to expand in sort of that way. But then it's so confronting. It's so, such a confronting place to be in. But please don't let that confrontation that arises, that fear that arises, stop you from doing what you were destined to do. Stop you from doing what is your goal because you deserve to chase your goals. 100%. I love that. Thank you, Eb. And I just want to say and take a moment um, to say that I really appreciate how you've shared today um, because I do know what an incredibly vulnerable time that was for you 18 months ago to take that leap but I it has been amazing for me to watch and see where you are today and the fact that you can sit here and impart that wisdom to other people I think is so important and kind of goes part and parcel with the the ethos of this podcast in general so thank yeah. you no thank you and I think too with self-growth and development it has no boundaries, you know. We are constantly growing, constant, constantly healing. It doesn't matter in what aspects of our lives. And I, you know, have grown so much in the last sort of like 18, 20 month time frame since really sort of stepping into this. It's confronted a lot of my own sort of um, fears and self-worth challenges. And I guess to have you sort of making your own steps in that direction too is amazing to see and I feel like it was so important for us to both share from where we are right now mm. and you know um where we want to go moving forward because it can be such a complex thing to have those sort of strongholds on us but yeah that big thing about not letting those things dictate or define what we do in our life yeah and I love that we both are able to gain a lot of insight from watching each other's experiences because we both are coming from like we're trying to go down the same road but in a different way mm, and yeah. it's cool to be able to see how you've done things and take things away from that and vice versa yeah no it's awesome amazing well thank you for today i really enjoyed that conversation yeah thank you guys let us know what you think and yeah see you next week Thank you for listening to the Don't Drown podcast. We upload a new episode every week. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Don't Drown Podcast to stay afloat with us.